yeah, uh, yeah. Phone ringing for the work. They waiting on me like the 15 and the first. I'm killing competition, put them bitches in the hearse. Been diagnosed with a sick flow, with a nurse. Yeah, do it for the city, but the hood getting turned. With the money going around like an offer in the church. Shit, this shit was a race, promise I'ma finish first. Taking shots from my spot, got me leaning like I'm Dirk in the playoff. Bitch, I want that Mark Cuban payoff. Fly as a G6, waiting for the takeoff. Hustle like there's only six. Welcome back to another episode of the bubble up sports podcast everybody this is episode 105 this is the review of the afc and nfc championship in the nfl our super bowl matchup is now set two weeks from now it'll be the kansas city chiefs taking on the san francisco 49ers and you know you got you got the the chiefs team who last year just fell one step short of the super bowl you know, that overtime game with the New England Patriots, they wanted redemption this season. They wanted to come back this season and redeem themselves and prove that they are the future and they are the present right now of the AFC conference. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, eventually I want to do an episode where we talk about the stories that go behind the Super Bowl this year. And, and there's so many great things to look at. And one of them is how transcendent the San Francisco 49ers organization has been over these last two or three years. Ever since John Lynch has come in, taken over, hired Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, and rebirthed this team into its classic historic ways of like the 80s and the 90s and put it back in a championship form. And we'll we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs team. I really want to get into the San Francisco 49ers because they just played tremendous. Um, but Starting with the Titans and the Chiefs game um, at Arrowhead Stadium, so you know that the Kansas City Chiefs have home field advantage. Coming off that huge comeback victory the week before against the Houston Texans, being down 24 points, scoring 51 in the end, and winning by 20 points, you felt like it was just going to just transfer over to this game. But the story was, would the Kansas City Chiefs stop Derrick Henry? Would they stop the running game? Will Derrick Henry run for 150 yards? Will he run for 200 yards? The the Titans are basically unbeaten or unbeatable if Derrick Henry goes over for 100 yards. That's just the norm. That's that's historic. That's analytics right there. So when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, I've been mentioning this way prior to this game, talking about how the Kansas City Chiefs defense is their plague. It is their anchor as far as getting them a championship ring in Kansas City, is that defense has tremendous players, but it's never come together in the right way. You know, you have plenty of talent to work with, and yet over these last few years, they're really the only bad part of that team. You know, great offensive-minded team with Andy Reid, and yet a Steve Spagnolo defense has yet to put it all together. So going to this game, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're bottom like six or seven in the NFL in stopping the run. And you got probably the best running back in the NFL right now coming to you full speed ahead with almost 500 yards, if not more than 500 yards already in the last like two or three games. And it, it was only a matter of that story. Like that would decide the game. Yet early on, you saw that. However, later on, it felt like that was no part of the story and a tremendous job by Kansas City to really transfer the narrative of 
no, we're not playing their game. We're not going to stop their game. We're playing our brand. We're playing our game of football, and they're going to answer to us. That's exactly what happened. So eventually, Tennessee was up 17-7, to and you felt the kind of the same vibes you felt with the Houston Texans game for the Kansas City Chiefs was the fact that like early on, some you know miss missed opportunities, some some drop balls, uh, you know, an early exit on their drives, not getting into the right field position to at least get some points, and Tennessee's driving down the field with a running game. Derrick Henry isn't having explosive runs. Yeah, he's getting those four or five yards to set up for the play action, which is exactly what Tennessee needed to do early on in this game. Get that early lead, and then from that point on, you establish the run, and it's it's basically impossible for Kansas City to score more points when they're on the field, you know, a quarter of the time that you are. When when Tennessee's just driving down the field, they're getting seven to eight minutes at least in these drives with Derrick Henry leading the way. Then the Kansas City Chiefs have to get on the field and st- score quick. But that even gives more time to Derrick Henry to settle down and to take more time off the clock. So that game plan of going up early, go by 10, 17, it was very important for Tennessee to get that lead going. And they did that perfectly. Set up the play action. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to throw a lot. The man threw, what, 14 times last week in the game against the the Ravens? It was just Derrick Henry's game, and it was bouncing off of that. And that's how you saw it going with, you know, um, Corey Davis. You saw that with A.J. Brown. You saw that with Adam Humphreys. These guys were just getting open because they put three tight ends on the line. You only have two wide receivers, but on a play action, they're going to stack that box. The Kansas City Chiefs are. They're going to stack that box and going to try to stop Derrick Henry as much as possible. It was a weird combination for the Kansas City Chiefs that already struggles and just didn't know what to do at first. You got some penalties their way to a holding call, pass interference, offsides. Those, you know, those dominoes start to fall, and you start to feel like this isn't going to be as easy of just outscoring this Tennessee Titans team. We got to be on the field to score, and Derrick Henry's just not allowing that to happen. So they go up 17-7 at some point, and that's where you felt it started to turn the tide, is that late first half drive by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense is that drive to end the half, which is only about a minute long, but that one play where Patrick rolls out to the left, starts to run it, he misses one tackle but stays in, and the hustle, the poise of this man, this kid, this you know we haven't done it in a long time on the podcast, but let's let's do it. This cat can ball, man. Man, he can ball, man. He really can. He extends the play, breaks off two more tackles to reach into the end zone and make it a 17-14 game. The expression, the emotion that came out of Patrick Mahomes after that after that play, it set the tone for the rest of the game. And this is where I feel like, like this Kansas City Chiefs team, what this game proved, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Chiefs games this year. I did get to see like the Titans game earlier in the season where Titans pull off the upset. It was the first game that Mahomes came back from that dislocated kneecap. Think of that, dude. Like this dude almost had his season taken away from him because of a dislocated kneecap. He comes back like four weeks later and is now leading this team to a Super Bowl. And he was the reason why I think they they are in this position. But back to what I was trying, like the argument I'm trying to make here. 
is that you saw spotlights. You saw specific plays made by individuals on this team. You know, Mahomes, you had Hill, Tyreek Hill, you had Travis Kelsey, even their defense, which we'll get into a little bit more. But like Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew, those guys stepped up. They all had one sequence of plays. You can look back as like highlights and you say, those are plays that make or break a team season. That's the plays that you make if you're individually talented and you step up and make that play. That's exactly what Mahomes did. But through all the chaos, you know, being down 17-7, I felt that even though he's one of the youngest guys on that team, he looks 12, yet he is the most composed, he is the most poised, and the leadership qualities just stood out tremendously in this game for Patrick Mahomes. And that play specifically right before the half ended was a perfect, perfect way to lead into getting back the lead, establishing the lead, and getting the Tennessee Titans off their rhythm and off of their game plan. It was that drive itself, getting quick, but also, you know, getting that that momentum back to bring the crowd back into it. It was very important, especially going into the half, is to like make them build and build and build and, and want to even build that suspense even more going into the second half. Now, what I loved about the Kansas City Chiefs in their first drive, the first offensive score drive, was the fact that they proved that they can do many, many different things on offense. Not just that they're high octane and, and they're just quick, but that drive specifically, that went like about seven minutes, if not more. And, you know, coming from a guy that knows this Chiefs offense, knowing to be like, you can get a touchdown in one play because that's how dangerous Tyreek Hill is. That's how dangerous Travis Kelsey is. And Patrick Mahomes will make a play downfield. But the the patience and taking it one play at a time, saying like, hey, we're not going to panic here. And that's where Patrick Mahomes for me felt like, all right, we're not going to panic. We've been in this spot before. You see him being emotional and being a leader on the sideline. But to come up with that drive and say, let's establish the run a little bit with Damian Williams. You know, LaShawn McCoy's out, but let's get Damian Williams in this game. And then I'll just do what I do. I'll extend drives. I'll extend plays. You know, I'll use my legs. But when I have that one-on-one matchup, you know damn well I'm going to go to Hill or Kelsey. And, And the ability to just be composed. A lot of the times when Travis Kelsey got the ball, he did have a few drop passes early on. But like as the game went on. You see that like Jason Wynn type of, of play out of Kelsey where it's like the third and five or the third and long just to get the extension on the drive to make it shorter. The ability for him to just like build that relationship with Mahomes and say, all right, we need six yards here. I'm going to go to seven and then I'm going to curl back and you just throw it in the right spot. I'm going to catch it every single time. It felt every single time that Tennessee Titans needed a big stop. It was Travis Kelsey getting that ball. It was Travis Kelsey getting that extra yard just in case, but just to position it, um, get the possession, and then just getting the first down, extending that drive for Mahomes. And then from then on, it's just pick, pick after pick after pick on that Titans defense. The the real, real struggle for the Tennessee Titans was not getting to the quarterback in time. They had some sacks early on, yet as the game progressed, the, uh, the the Chiefs' offensive line improved. 
especially from the edge rushing perspective. When when Mahomes did roll out in the pocket, you know, he did have some struggle, but for him, it's it's so easy for him to get away from pressure and just get get that first down, use his legs because they're playing zone. You saw the Titans play man-to-man early on, but they saw that it was going to be a struggle with, with Hill and Kelsey. So they moved to zone a lot of the time. They disguised it a lot of the time. Yet that was enough time for Mahomes to realize that. And after a while, he was like, oh, you're just going to disguise a one high safety and then go into a cover two? Well, then you're going to play zone. And I'm not even going to look at my receivers unless like I have time. But I'm just going to run for the first down. It's easy enough. So... The Tennessee Titans could not get to the quarterback. They could not get to Mahomes. At some point, they ran like a a three-man rush. It's not going to be enough. It's really not going to be enough. And that's plenty of time for Mahomes to find someone downfield in the zone coverage because he builds that relationship. There's so many weapons on this team. You look at the, the stats for their wide receivers and their tight ends. You know, Kelsey only had 30 yards, three receptions, but those were big receptions. Uh, Damien Williams had five receptions for 44 yards. Tyreek Hill had two touchdowns on 67 yards. But Sammy Watkins, he got his first touchdown since week one, where he had three in that game. Seven receptions, 114 yards. That man was their third or fourth option on offense. Yet, he was the guy that you know got most of the yards because of the fact that, like, I mean you can't cover all those people when you're playing zone. Like someone's going to be open or someone's going to be, you know, forgotten about. And a lot of that times it was Mahomes uh, on the run. Yet when he did find his receivers, I mean, damn, you really think that Mahomes is going to miss those throws? He's not. He really isn't. So as Mahomes was the leading rusher uh, for this team, he had 53 yards on eight carries, just runs um, on a pass. But, after that first half, there was a, a defense struggle like early on in the third quarter, but then the Chiefs just got it rolling. And I think, you know, midway through that fourth quarter, where Patrick Mahomes finds Sammy Watkins down the field, he throws it 40 yards deep on his back foot that leads into a 60-yard reception for a touchdown for Sammy Watkins. That was game. That was game blouses this man cannot be touched so speaking of of like those individual performances you know we we can talk about Mahomes all day long but I really felt like Daniel Sorensen was all over the place you know a big hit on Ryan Tannehill made him feel that pressure and then just you know getting sacks getting to the ball quickly he did a tremendous job on the defensive side Tyron Matthew as well you know, being all over the place in the secondary at a point in the game where you've established the lead if you're Kansas City and now you've thrown the times off their game plan. They can no longer run and take time off the clock. It is now Ryan Tannehill has to throw the ball across the field and get these chunk plays, which no disrespect. You know, like Ryan Tannehill has been a great starter for the Tennessee Titans all year long, and he's proven that he can throw the ball downfield and he can make big-time throws. Yet, when he hasn't done it in probably over a month, you know, even in the last, like, regular season game against the, the Houston Texans, the Texans didn't put their, like, first team out there on offense. They didn't have to score a lot of points. It was kind of a throwaway game for the Texans. They didn't need it. But the Titans need to win that game in order to get in. So that was the last time really that 
that Ryan Tannehill had to throw the ball effectively. And even then, he wasn't playing against the best guys on the Texans. So an important game has been over a month away for him to establish himself as a great performer. From that point on, it was Derrick Henry. And all you got to do is game manage, give Derrick Henry the ball, and then from that point on, make a play-action throw, which they're going to be wide open because it's going to be man-to-man. And you're got, like Corey Davis and AJ, um, AJ Brown will make those plays. They really will. So Ryan Tannehill had an easy type of job, really, in the last like month of being the quarterback. Now it's all thrown off. Now your whole game plan is not set for you to just be, you know, make a play action throw here, make a, a quick throw here. It's now like, no, you have to throw that ball about 30 yards down the field just to have a chance in this game every single time. And you know Tyron Matthews not going to do it. You know, he, Tyron Matthews is not going to allow you to do that. With Frank Clark up front, who was kind of on a pitch count this game with a with a calf injury, you really think he's going to give you time to throw? Absolutely not. So after after the Chiefs get that lead, and, and no one scored in the third quarter, so it was really that fourth quarter where the Chiefs start rolling on and establishing that lead, it, you, you just saw Ryan Tannehill kind of just panic. Derrick Henry was nowhere to be seen. He had no real influence on the offense because what are you going to do? Now you are part of the passing game, but you just got to play man-on-man, make sure those checkdowns are okay. It's really up to Brown and Davis down the field along with Humphreys to get the ball into the end zone. And Ryan Tannehill got that one tremendous throw uh, in the fourth quarter, like garbage time. But after that, there was no big-time throws out of Ryan Tannehill. He had two touchdowns. He had 209 yards. Cool. But he, he probably threw more in this game than he did in the last two games combined. They were just so confused. They were they're not used to this type of play. And you could say it's one-dimensional for this offense, but you know, it worked. And it should have worked this week against a bad rushing defense in the Kansas City Chiefs. It just didn't work. You know, Frank Clark's a menace. Sorensen played great. Tyron Matthew played great. All of those waves of defense played well. And you know, Spagnola finally got the job done. You know, he finally figured it out. But after like the the time scored 17 points, you saw Derrick Henry start to just kind of get those one or two yards every rush, but they started to figure it out. And they started to figure out like, hey, we're going to stack the box. We're going to play goal line defense randomly throughout the field. And we're going to make Ryan Tannehill throw. And yes, probably on most days, Tannehill will make those throws. But today he didn't because he was down most of the time. He was down for most of this game, you know, past the second quarter. And like, there's just not much when you're not used to that in, in, in a very long time. You're really not used to that type of offense. I guarantee you next year, they're going to have more of a balance. You know, they're still going to run through Derrick Henry. Yet Ryan Tannehill will finally feel comfortable, maybe get some guys in, in the draft to add some more weapons. They'll get Delaney Walker as well back, hopefully, uh, as they're tied in. But they like to use a lot of tight ends. They like to use a lot of like stacked offensive line along with three tight ends, two tight ends. You know, I, I think they stick to what they, they're best at. And, and Mike Vable will learn from this. We got to appreciate what the Tennessee Titans did. Is they beat the defending champion New England Patriots. They beat the favorites by a large margin in the Baltimore Ravens. And they beat them. Like, they beat them, significantly beat them. They trounced those guys in every aspect of the game. 
So to go into Arrowhead and at least have a lead at some point look like after a, a quarter and a half to have a great lead to establish themselves and to get their game plan successful. Good job by them. Mike Vrabel turned this team from two and four with Marcus Mariota to an AFC championship team that finished above 500, that beat the two favorites in the AFC. And, you know, even if the score shows that it was 35 to 24, it wasn't that close, really. You still made it that far. And you had a competitive game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are just the most prolific offense in the NFL. Good job by them. They deserve a round of applause for what they did. Derrick Henry had an historic last few games. And he only ended up with 69 yards, but the man has a, a whole career yet to play. I mean, he's still so young. He still has at least five or six years in the league. And the Titans aren't going to let him go. It was just too much to handle late in the game with the Chiefs. It's just Mahomes. It's just Kelsey. It's just Hill. They get the job done. They're so fast. They're so, their instincts, and Tony Romo talked about this a lot, is the instincts of Sammy Watkins, of Tyreek Hill, of Patrick Mahomes. It was apparent throughout the game. Their instincts are just on another level from any other team in the league. So they deserve to be in the Super Bowl. You know, they, they've had a rough season you know, their their quarterback was almost gone for the rest of the year. Tyreek Hill was gone for a while with, a, like, a broken clavicle. Remember that in week one? Travis Kelsey never making it, you know, this far. Andy Reid getting to his second Super Bowl. It's been a very long time. The Kansas City Chiefs organization, 50 years difference from their last Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's a great story to tell. And the way that they play, hey, you got to be better at the first, like, 15 minutes of the game because... Other teams like the 49ers or like the Packers aren't going to let you go down easy. But the way that they stay poised and they stay at such a high level instinct-wise, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now. Without a doubt, he is the best quarterback in the league. Because he's just he beats you on so many different levels, but he has the, the team on the palm of his hands. He knows how to lead this team. And Andy Reid's done such a great job. I don't, I'm going to see, like, I want to see Andy Reid bring everything, everything in the kitchen sink to the Super Bowl. Creative-wise, offensive-wise, he's going to give you so many different looks, and I can't wait to see that in the Super Bowl. So 35-24 win for the Chiefs. They finally make it to the Super Bowl in a very long time. Moving on to the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Wasn't close. Now, if you just want to look back to the week, what was it? 11, week 12 matchup for the 49ers and the Packers on Sunday night. This was a lot like that. This game made absolutely no sense to me. Because when you really think about the Green Bay Packers undefeated since that one loss to the 49ers earlier in the season. You go undefeated. Aaron Rodgers is finally looking like himself. Aaron Jones is having an underrated year as a running back. And these guys on their offensive side has really stepped up. Jimmy Graham last week against the Seahawks. Alan Lazard, he's been a great wide receiver. Like I, I feel like he's been underrated on this team. Devontae Adams, since that turf toe injury earlier in the season, has been dominating. Aaron Jones, like I said, Mercedes Lewis uh, alongside Jimmy Graham has been great. Geronimo Allison. These guys have stepped up on a high level to, to make this team great and get back to that 
to that championship level. And Matt LaFleur is finally figuring it out. Mike Pettit and that defense have really stepped up this season. I think their secondary play has improved a lot with Jair Alexander, Kevin King. He hasn't been the best season, but you see his presence on the field, and I really like that. Um, Blake Martinez has stepped up as that Clay Matthews. And then the Smith brothers, of course, Pro Bowl snubs, and they made it like shown that they are very dangerous in last week's game against the Seahawks. Now, they didn't end that game well. We all know the controversy with the Jimmy Graham catch. Yeah, I did feel like they deserved to be in this NFC Championship. And I felt that the redemption season, the redemption, like the road to redemption for the Green Bay Packers needed to end with the 49ers. It needed to revenge that one loss, bad loss, where they only scored eight points in that game against the 49ers. They had to redeem themselves. And I felt that if Aaron Rodgers can just do work with this 49ers defense in the secondary, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be difficult, but now they have Aaron Jones. And if they can get that balance going, I think it's a great game to watch here. And really the main thing that I felt was going to be the deciding factor in this is like I had no trust in Jimmy Garoppolo. I've been saying this all year long is I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is a great quarterback, but he hasn't proven to me. And I don't think a lot of people would agree with me on this is that he hasn't proven himself as a franchise quarterback. If you get me like the stats, obviously I get that like stats don't prove every everything, but his, his threat on the field, like I don't see it, but I, I, so in this game, I was like, if, if they make Jimmy Garoppolo throw, I don't think he handles the situation well. I think the Smith brothers will be too much. And I think it'll be a high scoring game. But I, I think that Jimmy G will crack under pressure. He will crumble as far as a, as a quarterback. Well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan was like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo can't, can't crumble if he never throws the ball. Hey, coming from a guy that worked with, that that made Matt Ryan look like an MVP quarterback that threw the ball a lot, to now go into a 49ers team where Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight times in this game. He threw eight times, six completions, 77 yards. The dude didn't do anything. He got an A on the project and just showed up on the last day. That's all he did. That's all he did. You know, he's that slacker. But he he showed up at the end. He got the A. Why? Because Raheem Mostert is one of the best stories in the NFL this year. The dude's been cut six times and has, like, been around the 49ers and just kind of, like, being on the practice squad, not getting to that level. But with the with the fumble issues with Matt, Matt Breida... And the apparent injury to Tevin Coleman early on in this game, he took a lot of those carries. He had the the ball 29 times and he ran for 220 yards, four touchdowns. It kind of reminds me of what what happened with the the Patriots last year and Sonny Michelle. You know, not the best running back in the league by any means. Yet, when you say, just be effective on the running game, they'll be like, yes, sir. And they just... He stayed so patient. He stayed so composed. He found the gaps, but he used his agility very well. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most agile guy. The dude 
just knew his offense. He he was so smart with it. So it was just a matter of Jimmy like handing him the ball, throwing tosses to the outside, and the dude just just found the end zone every single time. It like it makes no sense that Jimmy Garoppolo has probably thrown the ball less than 20 times in the last two weeks because his running game is more than enough. I love the fact that the, the 49ers use their, their two running backs all the, all the time. They love to use George Kittle as a blocking tight end, which he did amazing in this game. Yet, the way that they use Mostert and the way they use Debo Samuel, who... Like, the dude's just an energetic guy, and I love him. He kind of reminds me of, like, Tavon Austin when he was with the Rams. He was using it in counters and sweeps, and he can run the ball fast, too, but he was the emotional leader. Like, he he was the guy on, on offense where you're like, let's go. Like, we're getting that big play. And, and then it was just a matter of just picking at that Packers defense, you know, keeping them on their toes, keeping them tired because they could not stop the run. Why pass the ball if they can't stop the run? Don't fix what's not broken. And that's that's really what decides this whole game. Like, as, as they had six receptions. There was, the, the 49ers had six receptions. How do you judge a Super Bowl contender when their quarterback throws six times? Or, or, or throws eight times? Like, how, how does that make sense? Like, the 49ers played the best game... They, they, they played the most perfect game you could have had. They ran the ball. The only thing was missing was a quarterback, but they didn't need it. I could have been at quarterback, and I could have done the same amount of stats. I really could have. You just need me to, to, to toss the ball to Mostert? By all means, I'll do that. All right? By all means, give me my money. As far as the Packers go, look, man, they looked off. It, it didn't make any sense either. Like, Aaron Andrews um, and, and Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, they were talking about how earlier in the week they said, even if stuff doesn't go our way, they have to stay relaxed. They have to stay basically patient. And you saw that on the sideline. You see the 49ers, you know, jumping, Nick Bosa's, like, being, like, energetic. All that team were, were hyped up. You know that Robert Sala defense is going to be loud it's going to be obnoxious really and then you see the Packers sideline and you see them just you know sitting down being calm yes I get it you know it's it's a good thing to do it, it in most games when there's not a lot on the line let's say it's on during the regular season just don't panic don't overreact we're gonna get back in this football game it's gonna take us every single drive but we're gonna get back in this football game at some point, when you're down, what, 27 points? you give it up 27 unanswered. Don't you think that, like, now it's time to be aggressive? Now it's time to be like, we got to go. There's no more being calm. There's no time to be like, there's no time to be just relaxed. Like, no, you have to go. You have to be aggressive. And at no point during the game did you feel that type of mentality for the Packers. They didn't feel aggressive. They didn't feel... Um, on edge in a sense. They just felt calm. They just felt like we're just kind of rolling with the punches. And you know me. I roll with the punches. Alright. You know back in back in my day. Freshman year of college. When the academy manager. Academy sports store manager. When I was applying for a job. You know he asked me. How do you deal with problems? I took the Packers route. I rolled with the punches. You know. 
you know, true story, true story. Um, I think after that, that fumble by Aaron Rodgers, where he just bobbled a snap and it just like, just laid there until a 49ers defender just got it. Like he, he was so shocked that it was on the floor. He just grabbed it. I think at that point, it's like Aaron Rodgers look, his body language, his facial expressions look like this is not our day. Nah, this is just not going to happen. Nothing's going our way. Nothing will. This game was over within the first quarter and a half. Within the first, like, 20 minutes of this game, it was over. There, how do you analyze a game that where a guy rushes for 220 yards? And that was, pr- most most of those yards came in, like, the first three quarters. If he really wanted to. Because I think a- after the first half, he had 160 yards? No, 100, 106 or 160. I can't remember. I'm going to bet on 160. The man could have gone for 300 yards easily because that Packers defense gave up very easily and very quick. Aaron Rodgers for me, look, man, he, he ended up with 326 yards, two touchdowns. And, and that, a lot of that was just at the end. The guy still can go. Like the guy is probably in a, in a better team right now than in most years earlier on with Mike McCarthy. Because now he has a running game. He has an established running game in Aaron Jones. Go Miners. Picks up. He has Adam Still. He has Lazard. He has Jimmy Graham. And he has a good defense. Like, he has a good defense. This is probably the most complete team the Packers have had since Aaron Rodgers has gotten there. And even then, like, the best defensive player on their team was either uh, Daryl Revis or or, um, Clay Matthews. And even then, like Julius Peppers, like those years, like they didn't have a great defense overall. They just had great players. Now they have great players along with a complete defense and a great coordinator. And their offensive side, there's no excuses for that because you should be Aaron Rodgers. You have Aaron Jones behind you. You have Devontae Adams. I know it's harder because you have, you have to go against Richard Sherman, but there's plenty of more options to choose from. Yet it felt like they were just going through the motions. You just felt like they were just like, they're, they weren't even happy to be there. They were just kind of like, let's see what happens. And I, I think Matt LaFleur put in the right, like the wrong mindset for this team. He didn't want to be like too hard on them. He just kind of wanted to be like fresh, like very relaxed. I, I think he's got to learn from this, from this experience and go a completely different route next year if they do make it to the NFC Championship. Because you go against a team like the Niners, Kyle Shanahan... Robert Sala, like very vocal, and then just swagger across this team, led defensively by Richard Sherman. It's kind of, you're looking at a like a revamped Seattle Seahawks team, only younger and hungrier in a sense. That's what I see out of this team with an even better running game. Like, who needs a quarterback when you run for 220 yards? And you're going to go against the team in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are not the best at stopping the run, but they did show a good performance against Derrick Henry. This matchup is great. Best defense gets best offense. I love it. There's nothing else I can really say about the 49ers-Packers game. I, I don't think the Packers showed up, and the 49ers are just on a roll right now. They're proving me wrong. My biggest concern was Jimmy Garoppolo, and like, all right. Let's just say it right here. Let's let's just put it out right there. I'll make a bet. 
if Jimmy Garoppolo goes into the Super Bowl and throws less than 10, 10 passes or completes less than 10 passes, doesn't go 100 yards, I will buy myself a Jimmy Garoppolo jersey because that man is the greatest game manager of all time. That man deserves a medal for the the amount of work that he has to do. Handsome man. I, I think the defenses are just looking at him saying, that's a, that's a great smile. That's a handsome man. I can't keep my eyes off of him. I hate to see you go, but I'd love to watch you leave. So if the 49ers win the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing less than 10 passes and throwing for less than 100 yards, I'm going to buy myself a Jimmy Garoppolo jersey. I'm going to call him daddy from now on. I really will. But I, I'm just fascinated at how this matchup is going to be for the Super Bowl, like how Mostert's going to compete. If Tevin Coleman will come back, I haven't heard much about his injury so far. Um, but you got two of the best tight ends in the, in the NFL, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. You got you got Patrick Mahomes. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Richard Sherman. Like Richard Sherman, man, what a great story. He had an interception late in this game where it really didn't matter, but he just wanted to prove himself. Getting emotional after that game. Six years since his like last Super Bowl, I believe. And then just a few, like a year or two ago, tearing his Achilles and may not even play football anymore. And here he is going to another Super Bowl. Best corner in the game. How about that? Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Where's the clip? I need the clip. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. What a guy. What a guy. All right. I don't think I, I, I missed anything. You know, Aaron Rodgers, man, kind of disappointing. It really was. It was really disappointing to see that Packers team not redeem themselves or e even make it competitive. It was just a hard game to watch. It was over within the first, like, hour of the game. Oh, man. With the 49ers, I mean, they played the most complete game I've seen all season long out of a team. Every aspect of that game. They, they have so many players. They have so many great players. Defensively, they're a menace. They are scary. But if there's anyone that can beat them, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's that offense. So it could either be something like last year's Super Bowl to where it's like a chess match and not a lot of people are going to enjoy it to where it's like a chess match to, to see who gets the, the last laugh or just that, that one touchdown to make it like 17-10 or something. Um, or it could be a very fun game to watch where it's high scoring. I don't know. I This is the first time in probably in my recollection of Super Bowls to where I can't predict who will win. I really don't have a prediction for this. I'm usually wrong in Super Bowls, so I'm not even going to say one until like the day of when we do like a preview. But like it's 50-50 it's for me. It really is. I, I just can't explain it. It's like, think back to like the Broncos and the Seahawks game where it was the best offense against Ben's defense. And then it was like a, like, like a 44 to six route. I can't remember the score, but it was like 40 points at least for the Seahawks. Like it made no sense or for the, the Broncos. So who the fuck knows? Like, what do I know? I just do a podcast for a living. Um, but that's for another day. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Bubble Let Sports Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll come back later in the week.
to do some hot takes on Joe Burrow. Uh, and then we'll see what happens around sports because, you know, it's the Pro Bowl week. Who gives a shit about that? Maybe we'll talk about the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about how broken the Pro Bowl is. How about that? All right. Uh, see you next time on another episode of the Bubble Let Sports Podcast.